0: Phoenix Pod on International Politics in Turkey from Phoenix Politic Dear Phoenix Pod listeners, uh, this is Hamdi Fratvu, managing editor of Phoenix Politic. Today at Phoenix Pod, we have a distinguished guest, uh, Dimitar Bechev, an expert on Turkish foreign policy, Russian foreign policy and the Balkans. He is currently a research fellow at Atlantic Council Europe and the Institute for Human Sciences uh, in Austria. He's also a visiting research fellow at the University of Expo. Welcome, Dimitar. Thank you very much for being us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you again. Uh, in this podcast, uh, we will talk about recent developments in Turkish foreign policy, President Erdogan's recent rapprochement with the West in particular, and its possible consequences. So my first question to you, Why now does Turkish President Erdoğan try to revitalize the harmed relations with the West, namely the United States, NATO and the EU?
1: Well, there are several reasons at play. Uh, Some of them have to do with uh, the international environment Mm -hmm. and others much more uh, linked to Turkish domestic situation. Internationally, uh, many people have highlighted the change in the White House Uh, With the Biden administration, um, Erdogan lost his main ally in Washington. Mm. Um, And if you certainly remember, and your listeners will remember, the rapport uh, Trump and Erdogan built. uh, As a a consequence, uh, Turkey had an escape from jail card. Um, He he could do uh, business with Trump and be shielded from any sanctions. In the US. Well, Biden shifted the approach. It's not that he's uh, giving up on Turkey. Um, the, the last summit on the margins of the NATO meeting in, in Brussels suggested uh, there's quite a bit the US and Turkey could do together and then later in the conversation probably we'll get into that. Uh, but at the same time, um, I uh, call the, the approach tough love. Um, so mm-hmm. the US has its price and it's not Uh, Cutting any slack to to Erdogan. So that's one thing at at the global level. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, the notion that Turkey could um, play off uh, Russia against the US and maybe reach out to China. Of course, uh, it's not out of date. Um, I think Mm it will continue to inform Turkish foreign policy, but there are certain limits. On issue by issue. So that's that's one level. If you go a level down to the regional level, uh, Mm -hmm. especially in the Middle East, but also in the Eastern Med, you see Turkey um, running out of options, uh, cornered in the Eastern Mediterranean. We have a coalition of uh, various uh, countries ranging from France and obviously Greece and the Republic of Cyprus all the way to the United Arab Emirates, uh, Mm -hmm. make it, um, it difficult for Turkey to move. And of course, you can argue that Erdogan has a lot of uh, cards to play, and, and he obviously uses uh, Turkish power resources, including the military, uh, mm. to at least deny the Cypriots, the Greek Cypriots, the opportunity to develop hydrocarbon resources. But uh, it's a it's a dead end. It's an impasse. So both sides could cancel one another. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's no nothing you can do. But lastly, and this is very important because at the end of the day, politics happens at home, and this is where Mm -hmm. you get elected in Turkey for the authoritarian drift remains a competitive political system. Anti Westernism doesn't get you anywhere because, all right, I mean, there's consensus that America is bad and everything, and Europe is perfidious, what have you. But um, th- this is not the fuel to animate voters, especially at a time of uh, economic distress uh, um, made worse by, by COVID, um, mm-hmm. whereas a much more um, pragmatic conversation might deliver the benefits uh, that you actually could use to boost your domestic standing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's important, which, of course, doesn't mean that in the future, knowing how Erdogan operates, you might not have a return to a much more combative uh, rhetoric vis-a-vis America and and Europe, but for the time being, uh, taking a softer approach is more consistent with the kind of political messaging he needs to um, deliver to the, the grassroots, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that uh, this rapprochement will be successful after years of crises in relations and the lack of trust? Well, you have to um,
1: kind of distinguish because you have a series of rapprochements depending on the actor. Uh, There is one dynamic with the US, uh, quite another with the EU and maybe a third dynamic with several of those regional uh, rivals like Egypt or Israel Mm -hmm. or what have you. Um, with the U.S., I'm a bit skeptical because, again, there's so many um, controversial issues, so many uh, skeletons uh, in the closet. Uh, the expectations of both sides are not very high. And um, in, also in the U.S., uh, in the old days, uh, going back to the 90s, it's not that there were no um, um, points of tension between Washington and Ankara, but uh, in the domestic decision-making mechanism, or domestic politics in the US, there were always voices arguing Turkey's case, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the foreign policy establishment, also in, in Pentagon, uh, and in Congress, of course. Now let's go. Um, both the right, uh, but also the center left, have reasons to be skeptical about Turkey. Um, the, the right, because of uh, the Islamist tendencies, I mean, the IKP Islamist roots, mm-hmm. uh, it's um, standoff with Israel, um, and, of course, the left because of the Erdogan-Trump connection. Um, The the Congress is full of Turkey skeptics, Um, at the institutional level, people who run on a day-to-day basis uh, American foreign policy. uh, You have uh, also decided to remember the hearings in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee when uh, Secretary of State Blinken was confirmed when he famously described Turkey, um, quote, unquote, our so-called strategic uh, partner. Uh, So Mm -hmm. this uh, this skeptical attitude is there, and they know Erdogan can always revert to America bashing um, for whatever reason. So there are certain limits, Um, and again, Mm -hmm. many of the issues are still there, including Syria and America's alliance with, Mm -hmm. uh, with the YPG. Uh, mm-hmm. With the EU, despite all the acrimony, remember in 2017, 2018, the harsh words spoken
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, from Turks uh, to um, Germany and the Netherlands, and more recently to France as well. Um, there is the factor of geography and the economy. For all intents of purposes, Turkey remains part of this Eurosphere. It doesn't mm-hmm. show in its foreign policy, but if you look, At uh, trade, human links, um, Europe remains the center of gravity. I think that's an important takeaway from the last decade or so uh, Mm -hmm. in Turkish foreign policy, despite the overwhelming presence of the Middle East, the war in Syria um, and everything else, um, the EU uh, or Europe more broadly, uh, including Britain, remains a major uh, gravity point for Turkey. And now with the refugee crisis, or the former refugee crisis, with the deal being renewed, uh, with the discussion on uh, updating uh, the customs union, you see that a lot of issues are there. Mm. And there is interest on both sides to make some headway. So um, even if you could see that America and and Turkey are drifting apart, uh, for me at least, it's very remarkable that even with Erdogan and with all those recurrent mm. um, tensions in relations, uh, it's proven very resilient. I'm, I'm thinking of EU-Turkey relations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I mean, if we can go uh, uh, on about the other so-called rapprochements. Um, we're still in the early days with Egypt. And you haven't seen... Much progress,
0: despite some overtures on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dimitar, what about the democracy and human rights issues? Uh, while the West is also keen to heal relations with Turkey, I mean, in certain topics such as refugee crisis, the Afghanistan proposal, Eastern Mediterranean, or the trade relations.
1: Well, it, it will remain on the agenda, but um, I think Europe's policymakers and also the US policymakers are realistic, that mm. they have lost leverage. And this is really uh, obvious in case of the EU for the simple reason that uh, 20 years ago, it used to have so much influence over, over domestic affairs. Now, um, it's clear that everyone uh, cannot be swayed. I mean, of course, there might be cosmetic changes here and there. But um, it's not that the EU can dictate Turkey to make a U-turn also to the Turkish government um, mm-hmm. so my kind of unfortunate message is that uh, it will be much more business-like and pragmatic uh, which doesn't mean that there will be no criticism uh, from some governments and also not to forget European Parliament mm-hmm. uh, which it's part of its DNA to take up human rights and um, and, and democratic Uh, issues uh, on on board, Uh, but there are certain limits because at the end of the day, it's the national governments and the EU Council calling the shots, Uh, but there will be a voice in in, in European Union which will keep the ball rolling, I I think, for what it's worth internally in Turkey because, again, uh, Turkey is very much inward-looking and self-contained and and those criticisms Mm -hmm. don't really tip the balance uh,
0: domestically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my next question is the Turkey's uh, northern neighbor. So how will be the uh, Russian-Turkish relations will be affected from this uh, new rapprochement? Well, that's
1: an interesting question because uh, we've seen over the past two years, certainly since early 2020, um, Ankara turning away from Moscow um, in, on many issues. Um, and obviously you had this moment of direct military confrontation in in Idlib but uh, going back to this interesting case study uh, where you had Turkish servicemen being killed by a Russian airstrike it's remarkable to me how um, Erdogan played down or or pushed under the rug uh, Russia's involvement and blamed it on Assad which gives you a clue about how relations develop, even in times where we have tension and um, war by proxy, and, and here may I just uh, highlight a new report we produced with two colleagues for the EU Institute for Security Studies looking at mm-hmm. uh, Russia and Turkey, uh, there will always be limits to, um, to competition. So those two leaders uh, have uh, learned how to work together, how to manage conflicts, and how to focus on um, Overlapping areas uh, where their interests coincide mm-hmm. uh, So I think that will that will happen, but it's a timely reminder that uh, and a corrective because remember uh, 2017 2018 the peak of cooperation with us and the process in Syria where Everybody was kind of speculating that Turkey is tilting towards Russia and there's this new partnership emerging. Well, there are limits to that. Turkey um, cannot be Russia's friend. uh, But equally, I think, and I've argued uh, several places, including my forthcoming book, that uh, Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: it cannot afford to be uh, Russia's enemy either uh, because of uh, vulnerability, because of um, needing Russia. Uh, on a number of issues uh, originally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my last question is, uh, since uh, both of us also work on the Balkans, I would like to ask you what will be the Turkey's future role in the Balkans when you consider this recent developments in Turkish domestic and foreign affairs? Well, I think it's a function
1: of what I had to say about Turkey in Europe. Because the Balkans at the end of the day is Turkish Turkey is linked to to the EU. And, of course, there's a lot of speculation about Turkey trying to challenge the West uh, and so on and so forth, being part of this new concert of emerging powers together with Russia and China, challenging Western supremacy. You do see it in in the rhetoric coming from Ankara to some degree. Mm -hmm. But, um, essentially, Turkey is different from those two other parts. Part of this and I I don't need to make the case to you in particular because you know much better than I do The turkey is part of this region Uh, It's part of the Balkans. It's a Balkan country as much as it's a Middle Eastern country and uh, part of the Caucasus Uh, And people often forget it uh, if you sit in the West and and
0: Unfortunately
1: as an external actor, which means the following that uh, I don't see a scenario where Turkey is actually is is not in the Balkans It might not be very vocal might not be playing first middle because it doesn't have the resources, the soft power, the influences, um, say the EU, uh, but also the Biden administration now uh, taking a much more political approach to the region. But it will be uh, always there one way or or the other uh, at the societal level, economically, uh, under um, whatever leadership, whoever happens to be in power uh, in Ankara. Um, But it doesn't mean that Turkey will be able to affect um, processes domestically and it will be dictating who will win elections in country X or who will win this uh, contracting in country Y. So there will be limits to how much it can influence events Mm -hmm. on the ground.
0: <laughs> uh, Dimitha, thank you very much. Uh, that was a great podcast, uh, and uh, our listeners will be happy to listen, I'm sure. Thank,
1: thank you. you so much.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Thank you: Phoenix Pod on International Politics in Turkey from Phoenix Politic.